Hi, I'm Leslie Ludy, host of the Set Apart Podcast, Biblical Encouragement for Women of All Ages. And we're continuing this week with our Biblical Mindset series. I'm really excited to get into some of the practical areas that we face in the church today, in our daily lives, in our spiritual journeys, and really learn how to think and reason from a biblical and gospel perspective. Before we dive in, I wanted to remind you that you can still register for our 2023 Set Apart Conference. It's happening June 16th through 18th in Colorado, or you can join us anywhere you are via simulcast. And if you join us for a simulcast, you'll have access to the sessions for the rest of the year. So it's a great way to share the Set Apart message with other women in your life and be able to choose a time that works best for you and your group. Just go to setapartgirl.com for more info or click the link in this podcast description. For the Colorado event, space is feeling very quickly. So if you're thinking about joining us this year, I encourage you to register soon. Let's go back into looking beyond the smoke and lights. This is sort of part two of the episode that we started last week. And last week, I shared the story of a time when Eric was 13 years old and his parents took him to a Christian concert. There were smoke, there was lights, there was noise, it was loud and very distracting. And only a few people who were there actually realized that it wasn't worshipful or honoring to God at all. And I think that's really easy for us to do in Christianity today because there's a lot that distracts us, whether it's an artistic sounding message, a really profound sounding book, or just something that catches our eye and catches our interest, maybe appeals to our emotion, and yet it's not based in truth. So I want to talk about a few practical ways that we can look beyond the smoke and lights and not be deceived and distracted by the noise that is around us and learn how to become a woman who thinks and reasons biblically in every single area of life. I did an episode in 2020 on godly discernment, and some of these principles are just a reminder from that episode of just biblical ways that we can be discerning and avoid falling into the pitfalls that are so common all around us today. The first one is to beware of itching ears. Jim Elliott talked about a woman that he knew in their church who was really defensive for a very specific style of worship service. And she said, this style is most satisfying to me as an individual. And later Jim was reflecting on that comment in a private letter. And he said, what in all eternity has that got to do with it? Have her personal likes and dislikes any right to dictate method in the Holy Church of God? It is this attitude which has brought hopeless confusion into our present order. Let God be true and every man a liar. Is it his way? Then let my personal likes be filed in the waste can. That's from the book Shadow of the Almighty. And as modern believers, I think we are a lot like the woman that Jim was describing from his church. We're really prone to believing something is right or wrong based completely on how it makes us feel. Because of this, a lot of us have that classic case of itching ears Christianity. It says in 2 Timothy 4, 3 through 4, The time will come when they will not endure a sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up from themselves teachers and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. So itching ears in this verse means to be desirous of hearing something pleasant. I think that is so interesting because how often do we read a book or go to a blog or hop on social media or listen to something because we are desirous of hearing something pleasant? We don't necessarily want to be challenged or convicted or pulled out of our comfort zone. We just want to hear something that sounds pleasant to our ears and leaves us comfortably where we are. That's a temptation all of us face throughout our Christian walk. When we have itching 
itching ears. We don't really want to be molded and shaped by God's truth. We don't really want to be refined by his spirit. So it's really easy to try to modify the word of God to align with our own preferences, our own ideas, our own desires, instead of letting our preferences and ideas and desires come under submission to his word. There are a lot of ear tickling messages in the church around us today. There are messages that tell us to pursue our own happiness, to fight for our own applause, to cling to our own desires, to pattern our lives after the trends of pop culture, and to treat sin lightly. Those are just a few that we see around us today. Making the Christian life all about self. These are very common ear-tickling messages today, and sometimes they come in very attractive packages. Like I said before, when a little bit of truth is carefully blended with an ear-tickling lie, it's really easy to become convinced that it's on track because it sounds so pleasant. It sounds so right. Ear-tickling messages, though, never bring us to a place of conviction or repentance or brokenness over our sin. They don't inspire us to change or pursue more of God. They just help us put a spiritual label over our self-focused, sinful lives And they provide us with excuses for never needing to change or grow. So that's a warning sign that something is an ear-tickling message. If you find yourself evaluating something that you encounter, whether it's a blog or a song or a post on social media or a sermon or a book, based on how it makes you feel or you start to pick and choose truth based on your personal preferences, that's a sign that you become that itching ears Christian that is talked about in that verse. Instead of asking, how do I feel about this? Let's ask the question, what does God say about this? And be willing to file our own personal preferences in the waste can, as Jim Elliott said, in order to put God's way above our own desires. And even though God's conviction might prick, it is sometimes hard to walk through when we're being refined by his spirit. In the end, it leads to abundant life and real happiness. So we shouldn't let our feelings and our personal preferences overrule that gentle work of his refining fire in our soul. He says in Revelation 3.19, those I love, I rebuke and discipline. So let's not quell the amazing work of his purifying spirit by choosing itching ear messages because his ways, not our ways, are perfect, as it says in Psalm 18.30. That's the first practical. The second is to make God's word your lifeline. George Mueller, who's a famous missionary from the 1800s to the orphans of Bristol, England, has a really amazing story. His life was such a powerful example of God's redemption and how God can mightily work through a life that fully yields to him. But he had a very rough start, both in his non-Christian life. His childhood was, was very rough. He was very rebellious, constantly getting into trouble. And then even when he did become a Christian, he wasn't just automatically in the right place spiritually. He wrote about how he felt far more drawn to Christian books and religious materials than to the word of God. In his biography, he said, I fell into the same snare into which so many young believers fall, the reading of religious books in preference to the scriptures, my difficulty in understanding the Bible, and the little enjoyment that I had in it made me careless of reading it. And thus, like many believers, I practically preferred for the first four years of my divine life the words of uninspired men to the oracles of the living God. The consequence was that I remained a babe, both in knowledge and in grace. It's a very insightful statement that we remain babes. We remain spiritually immature when we are not hungry, first and foremost, for the word of God. We're always turning to other things, even good things, even, you know, books written by Christians and 
blogs and sermons and devotionals and Bible studies, and those things are everywhere today. But when they replace the word of God in our life, when they become our primary source of spiritual fuel, we start to lose our connection with God. We start to have a barrier between us and Christ because we are not hungry for him and his word and his truth. We just want sort of the quick and easy solution. Nothing can replace the word of God. It's meant to be a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. And if we're careless and haphazard toward the Bible, we're going to be susceptible to believing lies because our feet are not standing on the solid rock of his truth. And now more than ever, the Bible cannot be treated like our casual companion. It has to be our lifeline. Let's not treat God's word as moldable to human opinions and ideas. We need to find out what God says and then build our lives upon that unshakable foundation. Now, again, Christian books and resources certainly have value in a believer's life. And if they're pointing you to scripture, they're even more valuable. We just need to remember that if we allow human thoughts to take the place of God's word, then our ability to discern truth from lies is going to be hindered. Like Corey Ten Boom once said, God's viewpoint is sometimes so different from ours that we could not even guess at it unless he had given a book which tells us such things which means we need to be very attuned to his word. Early in my Christian walk, I heard a lot of good-sounding messages. Youth leaders, well-meaning Christians told me to build up my own self-esteem and focus on me, and if I really wanted to be free from insecurity, I needed to focus on my inner beauty and protect my sense of self. And I've shared this a few episodes ago in the Christ-Centered Mentoring series. Those ideas sounded healthy and wise, and I didn't even question them until a few years later when I really began digging into the Word of God, and I began to realize that the popular notion of self self-esteem was not in alignment with Christ's message of self-denial that we see in Matthew 16, 24. And so it completely revolutionized my perspective on overcoming insecurity when I began to understand the message of self-denial versus self-esteem. When we are ignorant of God's word, we're prone to being tossed about with every wind and wave of doctrine that swirls around us, like it says in Ephesians 4, 14. But when we make God's word our lamp and our light, we're so much quicker to recognize and kick out ideas that don't align with this pattern. So as I've mentioned before, if you're looking for practical ways to make God's word your lifeline, set aside time every day, not just for casually reading your Bible, but for proactively studying scripture and letting scripture shape your thoughts and your beliefs and your decisions. If you come across something you don't understand, go deeper through concordances or the online study tools that are available to us to unearth the true meaning of those words and the context in which they were written. And memorize scripture, meditate upon scripture often, use audio Bibles, play those things in the background so that you can just immerse your mind in truth anytime you possibly can. When new thoughts or messages or ideas come your way, weigh them against the word of God that you have hidden in your heart. Don't just nod along with other Christians' ideas. Stop and ask yourself some key questions. Does this message agree with the word of God in its entirety? And it's very exciting to realize that when we seek his wisdom diligently, we will find it. That's a promise from the word of God. Another practical is to embrace the old paths. And what I mean by that is to not be consumer minded when it comes to spiritual things. We've grown up in a culture that is very consumer minded and it's all about me, me, me and what I want and what's going to cater to my desires. 
And we've been trained just by our culture, by the sort of self-indulgent culture that we live in, to always seek after the latest and the greatest when it comes to anything and everything from technology to clothes to coffee drinks to home decor. And it's really easy to take that consumer mindset into spiritual things. So church leaders and Christian publishers and influencers are constantly scrambling to, quote, give the customer what they want by offering new and exciting bells and whistles, smoke and lights to keep their consumer-driven audience interested. And that leads to a lot of garbage creeping into the church or flooding into the church. I remember when I first started out in young women's ministry, one of the things a publisher was trying to do, and I think they actually published it, was to turn the Bible into a fashion magazine for teen girls. They thought, well, girls aren't going to really read the Bible, so we're going to put a little bit of scripture in with all these articles on fashion and boys and celebrities, and maybe that will get them interested in reading the Bible. Again, it's that feeding the consumer mindset. Instead of just letting the Word of God draw them and speak for itself into their lives, they had to add all these bells and whistles to try to keep their interest. And you see churches putting Xboxes and video games in Sunday school classes because they can't really just rely on the word of God to pique a child's interest anymore. Again, it's that consumer-based mentality. There's lots of other things that the church does, whether it's just drawing people in through big events and big concerts and flashy shows or food or whatever it is that's creative and artistic. It's like, let's try to add as many bells and whistles as we can to keep our audience interested. And of course, it's not always wrong to be artistic or or do special events. But when we as believers insist on bells and whistles to feed our consumer mentalities, we're robbing the gospel of its beautiful simplicity and we're diminishing the power of God. And we're prone to deception because worldly cultural tactics can never really communicate the undiluted truth. Again, there's nothing wrong with modern technology or creativity to deliver truth But we can't allow those things to take the place of that simplicity that's in Christ. One of the best ways that you can avoid becoming another Christian consumer is by approaching Christian events, church services, books, music, resources with a new attitude. So instead of asking, what am I getting out of this? Let's ask, what is God getting out of this? And how our churches would change if we came in with that attitude? Lord, how do we glorify you and please you and lift your name high today in the service rather than, hmm, what did I get out of the message? Did I really like the worship today? How did this speak to me? That's not always bad, but a lot of times we've completely forgotten to ask the question, what did God get out of this today? When our focus is on the glory of God, rather than just on our own desires and wants, we're not going to be as prone to chasing after every new and trendy message that flashes through modern Christianity. We're going to be able to esteem the simplicity that is in Christ, that uncomplicated, life-changing truth that does not need human bells or whistles to prop it up. If I be lifted up, Jesus says, I will draw all men to me. I encourage you to study the lives of men and women throughout Christian history who have walked those old paths of simple, uncomplicated, powerful Christianity. Hudson Taylor, George Mueller, D.L. Moody, R.A. Torrey, C.T. Studd, Jim Elliott, women like Catherine Booth, Elizabeth Fry, Amy Carmichael, Esther on Kim, Corey Tenboom, Gladys Selward, the list goes on. Those examples inspire us to have one singular aim in our Christian walk, not to be entertained or catered to, but simply to have the privilege of loving and honoring and serving our worthy King. And that is the type of Christianity that inspires me and reminds me that it's not all about me, it's about Him. And my last practical to share with you 
is to understand the nature of God. Because as you are really thinking biblically and with a gospel mindset towards all of these things that you see in the church, it can be easy to become aggravated at believers who don't share those standards, who maybe don't even see it, or maybe even leaders that you see that are kind of veering people in the wrong direction. It's really important that as we fight to see the glory of God return to Christianity once again, truth always needs to be delivered in a way that reflects God's nature, because our quest for building a biblical mindset and being a discerning woman can turn into an arrogant and demeaning attitude toward other people if we're not guarded against human anger and pride. We need to remember that no matter how doctrinally sound or intellectually brilliant an idea may be, if it is marked by arrogance and self-seeking, it is not of God. As it says in James, this wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, and demonic. For where envy and self-seeking exist, there is confusion in every real thing there. So as you seek to grow in godly discernment and building a biblical mindset, I would caution you against clustering together with believers who are impressive in doctrine, but deficient in gentleness and love. And that's something that Eric and I have seen through the years where there's maybe a group that we know that is very passionate to fight for truth and stand against error in the church, but they've completely lost the attitude, the heart, the nature of Christ in doing so. And their arguments may sound compelling. Their grasp of scriptural doctrinal ideas may be impressive, but if they're characterized by an ungracious attitude towards others, they are not operating in cooperation with the Spirit of God. And as we've said before in other episodes, we can't confuse discernment with a critical spirit. It's easy to fall into the trap of having a zeal for God, but not of knowledge, as it says in Romans 10 too, like many well-meaning Christians out there who, in their passion to fight for God's glory, begin to look down on those that they disagree with and treat them with disgust or contempt. And as I've said in many other episodes, that scripture in James is so beautifully expressed, the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. It's not really just standing for truth that matters, but standing for truth in God's way. And it is more than possible to stand for truth and reason biblically while still exuding the love and humility of Christ. It's really encouraging to look at the scriptures and study the example of Jesus, the example of strong but humble leaders like Moses and David and Paul. And you see this beautiful blend of challenging others and pointing them towards the truth, but also walking in humility. So while you're growing in biblical discernment and a biblical mindset, ask God to simultaneously infuse you with his heart, his love, his burden for those who are lost, his burden for those who are compromising, because unless you operate in his attitude of love and grace, your zeal and passion for truth will be rendered completely ineffective and empty. Here are some final thoughts that I want to share with you about looking beyond the smoke and lights. Becoming a discerning Christian in such a time that we live in can feel like a very overwhelming process, but it's really important that we don't become overwhelmed because it's God alone who can equip us with a biblical mindset. And the first important truth we need to remember is that we have to rely on God's grace. We can't try to grow in godly wisdom and biblical discernment just by looking to our own efforts or our own willpower. It's not a matter of just disciplining our mind to rise up to a standard. It's a matter of asking him to equip us with the supernatural strength and heavenly wisdom that we need to navigate these cloudy waters of modern Christianity. He alone can remove the fog of confusion 
and grant us a clear understanding of his truth. All we need to do is ask for that grace. And secondly, it's so important to remember that Christianity in a nutshell is all about Jesus. You may not have every hermeneutic tool mastered or every doctrinal notion fully refined or every theological argument perfectly figured out. And maybe you don't even know what some of those concepts mean. The important thing is to set your gaze upon Jesus Christ and let him direct your steps. Reject messages that lead you away from him. Embrace messages that lead you into a fuller surrender to him. If you fix your eyes on him, you will neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ, as it says in 2 Peter 1.8. And as we've said in previous episodes, one of my favorite verses is from Jude 1.20, where it says, He is able to keep us from stumbling and present us faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. And that is a beautiful promise. It is God alone who is able to keep us from stumbling. So let's offer ourselves fully to him, holding nothing back so that he can lovingly shape us into lights that shine with his glory in the midst of a perverse and crooked generation. I hope you've enjoyed this week's episode. As we move into this series, we're going to get really practical on things that we face on a daily basis in the church and in our spiritual lives, and how can we apply a biblical gospel mindset to all of those things. Meanwhile, if you'd like to go deeper into what it means to live a set-apart life for Christ, I invite you to visit us at setapartgirl.com and look at the many resources that we have for you there. I pray you have a blessed and Christ-centered week.